episode 202, Spider-Man Homecoming. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. This is, of course, one of our, I don't know what, it's three a year? I don't know. So it's not annual, well, now it's not it biannual, tri-annual, tri <laughs> is that what it is? A tri-annual uh, Avengers movies episode. Yes. Yeah. Because we're not talking about Daredevil today. No. We're not talking well, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. today. We're not nope. talking about Inhumans yet. Nope. We're not talking about Luke Cage yet. Yet. <laughs> or Iron Fist yet. Or the Defenders yet. No. that's technically in October. Uh. Well, but here's what you can you can pretty much guarantee with Welcome to Level 7, you're going to get your TV episode in a semi-timely mm -hmm. manner. And you're going to get your movie <laughs> episode in a semi-timely manner. Netflix... They just they just screw everyone up, and who knows what's happening with Freeform? You know, we I I'm getting a little excited because they they cast they they cast Squirrel Girl. Mm, yeah, that's right. Did you hear about did that? They? Yes. They who did they end up casting as her? It's her? it's the AT and T girl. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. The one who does the oh. commercials where she's semi awkward, and you know, I'm thinking, hey, this is probably good casting. And then okay. they cast Mystery Immortal. And I mean, actually, they released the whole cast list for the entire mm -hmm. team. So, yeah. We'll see what yeah, happens with that. Stuff's, Freeform stuff's going to be very interesting because the Netflix, I mean, if, if, if S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of the middle of the road, Netflix has been much grittier, right? Freeform, I kind of feel like is going to be, if S.H.I.E.L.D. is the middle of the road, Netflix has been grittier. I feel like Freeform is going to be a little bit lighter. Maybe. I mean, definitely the new warriors, which we were talking about just now is going to be mm -hmm. lighter. Uh, but the, um, cloak and dagger, cloak and dagger. that's going to be, I, I don't know. That could be dark. That could be gritty. It could be CW. And I don't mean CW like the flash, but CW like one tree Hill. That's what I, I totally never, ever watched that show ever. Never. I'm I, in one tree Hill as an extra. <laughs> um, no, no, we don't. Sorry, Samantha. I'm still never watching it. So. No, that's okay. I'll send you screen caps later. There you go. That's and, all that matters. And yeah. I do not refer to One Tree Hill as just Tree Hill ever when I'm talking about it with my wife. Because that never so, happens. But anyway. Like but the name of the town is Tree Hill. So anyways, that's another show. But I feel like Ben has actually seen One Tree Hill and is and is sort of playing the no 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 I really haven't yeah that's <laughs> so uh, we probably should go ahead and just change the subject and <laughs> introduce Please? ourselves you know uh, for people who are just coming to this episode because they saw this about Spider Man Homecoming uh, right now if you haven't turned it off thank you for for tuning in and I'm Ben yes. uh, Avery and I've been joined <laughs> by uh, Samantha and Stuart. That's, that's Yay. Samantha over there to the right. That's Stuart over there to the left. And I'm sitting here in the middle. And yeah, we are getting ready to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually in the cinema. 
not not on the small screens, but on the great big giant screen. And yeah, so the way we're going to do this episode is we're going to start out with a quick spoiler free discussion of our general impressions of the movie. I am going to ask you guys to rate the uh, rate this movie one to five. Mm. Awkward teenagers. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Or, or spider, um, suit, spider suit web shooters, or burritos. Burrito. Uh, it was churros. churros. It was a churro. You're right. Let's go with churros. Churros. How many churros out of five do you give Spider-Man: Homecoming? That's what we're going to talk about. So, Samantha, quick spoiler-free impression of the movie. Go. It was awesome. Stuart, quick, spoiler-free, impression of the movie. Go. It's my second favorite MCU movie. Interesting. And here's mine. I liked almost all of the other Spider-Man movies. And this is my favorite. For sure. I, I have to agree. Um, my favorite Spider-Man, my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, there is one problem with that, and that is that it's not necessarily a standalone Spider-Man movie. This one Definitely, when you say it's all connected, this one is all connected. And mm-hmm. watching it, if you hadn't seen Civil War, you would almost feel like you missed two previous Spider-Man movies. Like, mm-hmm. you, you missed the origin movie, and then you missed this team-up movie, and now you're coming in in the middle of something. And that's that's the one complaint I might have. But even then, I think you'd be just fine. So... That's my quick spoiler-free impression of the movie. So how many churros, Samantha, out of five do you give this movie? Well, I do agree. I I love all the other Spider-Man movies, and this one now has to be my favorite. Um, Five out of five churros. Whoa, five out of five. Yes. She went all the way. Stuart, what do you say? I'm going to go 4.5 churros out of churros. So I got Samantha's five churros and then I ate part of one. (laughs) So you're playing it safe. I mean, Samantha's just going out there. She's putting it out there and you're going, I'm not, I'm not going to give it a five, but I'm also not going to give it a four. Right. You're you're just playing it safe. Yeah. And, and for me, I I also, I think I'm going with a 4.5 out of five. I mean, this is a really well-made movie and I yes. really, I, I enjoyed it. Complaints that I've seen about the movie, about it being rote or about it being, you know, just formula. Not, I, no, I, I don't see that. I mean, this is definitely part of the MCU's um, pattern of we're going to do a movie with a superhero, but it's a different movie. So guardians of the galaxy is space opera with superheroes. And, um, Captain America, the first Avenger is war movie with superheroes and the same with Avengers kind of war movie with, with superheroes and um, Avengers age of Ultron is sci-fi uh, sci-fi artificial intelligence movie, you know, with, with super. And this is, this is John Hughes teen movie with, mm-hmm. with superheroes. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. I can't, I can't understand. I read an article that actually was just, just going after Spider-Man Homecoming and saying it's just part of the problem because it's it's the same as every other MCU movie. And I'm just like, I, I don't see that. I, I, 
I just don't see that. And I don't know if it's because I'm too close to the material. And so I'm not seeing it because I'm, I'm willing to give what the movie doesn't earn, but I really, I really don't feel that way. There are, there are some troubles with the movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie and that's why I can't give it a five, but, um, yeah, I mean, emotionally and fun, uh, it, it comes close to a five. I mean, it, it was it was a fun movie. Yeah, it was very fun and very well done and very entertaining. And I'm glad. I well, I don't want to get into that. I'll say that after we do the spoiler warning. Okay. Because we are going to play our spoiler warning in just a moment. But um, Samantha Stewart, what would you say to someone? who has not seen the movie yet and is trying to decide, uh, do I want to see this movie or do I want to see something else in theaters? What, what are you going to tell them? Well, I only ever get to see MCU, MCU movies in the theater. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that to me, that's the thing. That's the thing I get to do when they come out opening night or shortly thereafter. That's my thing. So I would say, see this movie. It's very good. Like I said, it's my second favorite MCU movie. So, Samantha? I am very picky about what movies I pay for and how much I pay for it when I go see a movie in the theater. Because I don't want to pay like 12 bucks to go into a theater and sit through a really bad movie. Last time I did that, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, I want my money back. I'm not joking. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, if I really love a movie, I will go see it more than once in the theater. Um, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, I saw that four times in the theater. And, well, I only paid for that twice because my best friend let me in. Because <laughs> she worked there. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, this Spider-Man, I want to go see it again in the theater. I mm -hmm. had such a fun time watching it. And How about you, Ben? Well, here's what I would say. If you're choosing between Spider-Man Homecoming and Transformers The Last Night, then you just don't even think about it. Do not go <laughs> to see Transformers The Last Night. The, the one problem for this coming weekend is we've got Planet of the Apes. And oh. that I, I, oh, I can't wait to see it. And I think that this might be one of this, depending on how good this new Planet of the Apes movie is, this might be one of the great movie trilogies of all time. It, it really, really could be. So I, I'd have a no. hard time saying which one you should go and see, but I will say you're going to have fun either way. If, if you go to the Planet of the Apes movie, you're going to get a kind of serious war movie, you know, and if you're going to see Spider-Man Homecoming, you're going to see this fun superhero movie about a kid who just wants to do the right thing and can't figure out what to do. And he's, he's, he's learning, he's learning what it means to be a hero and he's learning what it means to be a man. And you're, and if you're at all attached to the MCU, if you know what's happened in the MCU, yeah, you should see this movie. And this movie has weight this movie has mm -hmm. uh, consequences for the MCU, which we will mm -hmm. talk about after we play the spoiler organ. So are you guys ready? Shall we play the spoiler organ? Yes. yes. We shall play the spoiler organ. Okay. 
we are about to do so. I'm going to bring out my organ, and I'm going to... Now, now you're bringing out the organ monkey, right? I don't have a monkey. I can't afford the monkey. I mean, I spent all my money on the organ. Okay. Yeah, so we just have Daniel, so... (laughs) Sorry, Daniel. (laughs) Oh, that was... I'm so sorry, Daniel. (laughs) And on that note... Spoilers. 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 Sad thing is, no one is apologizing except for Samantha. <laughs> Stuart, you and I just sat there and let it happen. And then after I, I happened, didn't I didn't call Daniel a monkey. <laughs> I think I think Samantha is 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 dare I say a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, tonight I'm the hot mess. You have dared. You have, have dared, dared and, and, and said. And said, yes. All right. Well, let's talk about Tom Holland quickly here then, because we've seen him as Spider-Man before. It was very quick and it was fun in Civil War. It was one of the highlights as far as the funness of that movie goes. And it might even been out of place a little bit in, in that movie. <laughs> But I'm not going to lie. It did feel a little out of place. I mean, I felt like it resolved itself and I felt like it was, you know, like a prelude to a bigger movie, which in fact it was. It was. Um, but in Civil War, it did feel out of place. But you also have Paul Rudd in there. I mean, that that whole scene, yeah. it was one of those things where you you they went for emotion and then they dig with a joke. You know, Mm -hmm. and and so the whole thing with Hawkeye and Black Widow when they're fighting each other and you're pulling your punches, you're pulling your punches. And, and, you know, it's just there's this heart wrenching moment where, oh, my goodness, they are fighting each other. This is not good. But then they stop in the middle. We're still friends, right? Yeah, we're still friends. And it's it it, it takes on the, the emotional weight of a football game instead of the emotional weight of, you know, friends fighting friends and. And so you have those those moments already in that. But now we have Tom Holland and now we have a new Spider-Man and he hits his own movie. And so we can put him up there. Do we? I mean, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Uh, should we just forget about them? I never saw Andrew Garfield. I never saw the amazing Spider-Man one and two. Are you um, serious? Yeah. Good. Wow. Never. Yeah, they're huh. good. They're at least worth watching once. Uh, he he brings a very different approach, but still a very likable version of Spider-Man. I actually prefer him as Spider-Man, but I prefer amongst the two. Uh, uh, I prefer him as Spider-Man, but I prefer Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. But above them, I now prefer Tom Holland as both. Yeah, and, and Samantha, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, the the thing I would say, Stuart, is. Those those two movies are they're kind of messy because they're setting up things in future movies that they actually don't know exactly what they're setting up. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like is we're just making this up as we go along in this movie. We'll resolve it in the next one. We don't have to worry about it. And the next one comes along. Well, well OK, we'll re- try and resolve those things. But then we're going to still have these mysteries for the third movie that never happened. And so Amazing Spider-Man to me feels kind of like a, a dead end trail. And as much as I did like Andrew Garfield in it, um, I, I just 
I just can't bring myself to watch them anymore. And Amazing Spider-Man 2. I That's just, the one with Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah, and every time I think about it, I just feel like the sinking feeling. And I only saw it <laughs> once, but I I just feel the sinking feeling of, ugh, why did I not like that movie so much? I almost need to watch it again just so I can remember, why do I have that feeling? But I don't have to worry about it now because mm-hmm. they're never returning to that continuity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which that kind of segues into the thing that I'm glad about is that I didn't have to see uncle Ben die again, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and cause they, they showed it in the, the Tobey Maguire one and they, they revisited it in number two and I'm sure they showed it in uh, the amazing Spider-Man. And I'm just so glad that we didn't have to see him die again. They didn't <laughs> even talk about it. Right. That's I, true. Yeah. I, I mean, they didn't even mention his name. Right. Okay. No, I mean, they, they referred to all the stuff that Aunt May has gone through. Right. But they never talked about anything to do with that. I mean, we barely got any reference to the origin story of Spider-Man. Right. It's just him and, and Ned walking down the street together. And so wait, wait, you got bit by a spider and that's it. Uh, <laughs> which. In some ways, that's kind of good because you know what? Yeah. We know the story. It's It's been yeah. told dozens and dozens of times, depending on if you're in, if you're into comics, you've seen it dozens of times. If you're into just movies and cartoons, you've seen it, you know, half a dozen times. If you're just into movies, you've seen it four times or whatever. <clears throat> so to skip it, eh, I don't know. You think that's the right thing to do? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I, I think it matters about who your audience is. Obviously, their biggest draw at this point are fans of the MCU and fans of Marvel Comics and fans of comic book movies. The The amount of people in those three groups who know how Spider-Man got his power and the famous line that I'm blanking on right now. With great power comes great, great responsibility. Yeah, with, never got said. Never got said, but did it need to? I mean, it was kind of there all the time. It was. You're right. You're you're right. I mean, so it's still the major of, theme of the movie, right? They just didn't have somebody, you know, hit it over the head, kick that dead horse yet again, um, which I'm thankful for. Now, does that serve new audiences? Does that serve to bring people into the Star Wars lexicon or Star Wars lexicon, Superman, <laughs> Spider Man lexicon? The so that was weird. You know, that one unique thing about the comics is that you, the story can be told, like you said, a dozen times. People basically know the origin. Um, a perfect example is Batman, the animated series. It does not begin with Bruce Wayne as a young child watching his parents die. It starts with him as Batman. He's established as the vigilante of Gotham. Everybody knows it. And they roll with it. Yeah, but I would argue that Batman the Animated Series is playing off of the Batman movie. True. That that had all that stuff in it. Um, so the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, the, the Tim Burton 89 Batman movie. And so the Batman the Animated Series, it's not the same continuity necessarily, but is definitely playing off of that. And And that's the same thing here, though, is it's it's playing off of everything you've already seen. And even if, even if they're not connected, 
they're still part of the the pop culture. Right. And it allows them to change it or MCU it if they want to and have a really good idea for it. You know, I just throw it out there. What if it probably infuriated someone, but what if Aunt May, what if they turned her into a lesbian character, right? Uncle Ben could be a, a female. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Please do not send hate mail to me. Well, it, <laughs> I mean, you're right. They, they still have freedom now. Moving right. forward. But one thing about the MCU is they are constantly moving forward. We, we don't get mm-hmm. a lot of flashback um, unless it's at the very beginning of the movie. So like Ant-Man, we get a flashback to the eighties. Uh, Guardians mm-hmm. of the galaxy. We get a flashback to the eighties. We would probably get a flashback to his origin story. If it is character to driven the, and yes. Yeah. Important to the a new story. Which it could be. I mean, I, I've, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with with Spider Man stuff from here. He's. I, I read an article where they were talking about how he's going to become more of the linchpin and more of the uh, the Iron Man type of of uh, character, not in in the way he acts, but in the way he kind of shows up everywhere and and in as Robert Downey Jr. is kind of bowing out. Here we have this this new hero kind of coming into things, which is interesting considering it's still a relationship with Sony that they're dealing with. Um, I mean, the, the fact that this movie got made at all is very interesting mm-hmm. because this is all, this is Sony saying we want to put money behind a Spider-Man movie. We want to make money from a Spider-Man movie, but we also want to get a very good Spider-Man movie. And so Disney Marvel, would you please help us with this? And Disney Marvel says, we would like to have Spider-Man play with our characters in our sandbox because that's when he works great. And we're missing that. We, we've got these great characters that we have made greater, like Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man is a household name now, whereas before he was more of a B-list Marvel character who would show up in Avengers comics. And some people even bought his own comic. Now we have that the you know Spider Man kind of stepping up and becoming that most important MCU character, which I don't know. It's it's a very interesting situation that we've got going on here, especially taking into account what we've talked about before with what about the Sony stuff that they do on their own, like Venom, and mm-hmm. you know what is that going to look like, and how is that part of the MCU, and is it part of the MCU? And they say no, and they say yes, and they say well of course it is, and they say of course it isn't, and. I think it's going to depend on uh, that specifically is going to depend on what the what the money tracks up. And one thing I noticed is that, yes, it was a Sony production and yes, it had the you know lady singing at the front of the front of the movie. But it was an Amy Pascal film at the end of at the first credit, not a Sony film. So and she was the producer on it. So that tells me that she's maybe or I. I suppose she could be lining herself up for a free agency, in which case she's going to take, if she can, her Spider-Man connections over to Disney. I, I don't know. I mean, she's definitely a driving force here. I mean, she's definitely yes. the driving force in a lot of ways. And she's definitely making a loads of money on this movie. So. Yes. <laughs> the, the truck of money has backed up to her house very nicely. It's a smaller truck. You know, it's not the same size truck that they would like load up with with Robert Downey Jr. But um, yeah, she's got a nice size truck outside of, of her her front yard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's interesting that you were talking about possibly putting Spider-Man up as the front man or the leader of, I, I don't know, the Avengers, the MCU. Because so much of this movie was about training Spider-Man and keeping him street level for now, at least. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're saying he's going to be the leader of the Avengers. I'm saying he's going to be the face of MCU movies in some ways. Oh, gotcha. Like, like how yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man has been up until this point, you know, and so you, let's get Robert Downey Jr. as much as we can into as many different movies as we can because everyone likes Robert Downey Jr. And it's true. He's a very likable presence. Even when you don't like him, you like him. Even when you forget that he fell asleep in some young girl's bed. Remember that? Oh, did we tread into awkward territory? You wandered into somebody's house. Yeah, I'm just saying that people are flawed. (laughs) Oh, was that from like forever ago? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, let's let that go because that's a very different Robert Downey Jr. from today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm not talking about that that I mean, I'm talking about just that he's the popular guy in the Marvel Mm -hmm. in the the MCU and people do like uh, Chris Evans. My kids don't like Robert Downey Jr. They they laugh at Iron Man in the Avengers movies that they've seen, but they don't like him. They don't like his character and but they they still laugh at his character and still, you know, go along with it when he's on the screen. And so. And so we have a situation now where we have a charismatic young guy who doesn't cost as much as the charismatic <laughs> old guy. And so that's definitely, I mean, Tom Holland, he, he's going to be carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. I wouldn't be surprised if he would, you know, turn away from it and, and do the whole Leonard Nimoy, I'm not Spock kind of thing. But I could also see him, you know, this being like a Harry Potter situation where those actors, uh, in that movie just grew up with it and, and stuck with it and and ran with it and learned from it. So, Well, with uh, Tom Holland's background, he's not a young kid. He's playing 15 years old in this movie, but he's 19 now. Um, and in his background, he's... A, he's I like that you he's, say he's not a young kid. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a big difference between 15 and 19. Um, sure. I'm twice that. Whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> but on top of that, he's trained in ballet and gymnastics. I mean, some people might might laugh at a boy who's been trained in ballet. But no, there's I mean, if you're going to be a performer, um, any sort of dance is is essential because it teaches you how to communicate emotion through your body. Um, and oh, gosh, I need to find the video. Um, I saw a promotional video for this movie where it showed him. In the Spider-Man suit, um, jumping off of trampolines and doing the poses. And I saw those same poses in the movie. Um, though someone did go through w- with CGI and extend um, the pause and the swing. So you can see him in the pose and whatnot. But, um, yeah, he, he bas- the way he grew up, he's he basically is like Spider-Man, but without the radioactive spider bite and climbing up the walls like that. <laughs> no, I mean, they picked uh, again, going back to who, who he is as Peter Parker, they, they picked a guy who he looks young. He's going to retain that young look. He looks much younger than both Toby McGuire and Andrew Garf- Garfield in their, mm-hmm. in their movies. Um, I mean, they were older playing 
you know, that high school student. And he looks like he could be in high school. He looks like he belongs there. And so he's got that, that youthful charm, but then he also has your, your right, Samantha, that's that physicality. That's not, um, you know, bulking up like Chris Evans. It's, it's the, the gymnast body. It's the, the dancer's body. It's, it's that, ag- ag- yeah, that agility, um, and that youthfulness. Um, probably I can speak to this because I'm short, but part of the reason why he can pass still for 15 is because he's five foot eight and I'm in my early thirties now and people still ask me, so how was it to graduate from high school? I was like, Oh, that was 15 years ago. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I mean, kids that were born when I graduated are now going to high school. I mean, and people still wonder if I'm in high school. So yeah, it's crazy. So that's Tom Holland, and we'll probably come back to some of these thoughts about the MCU. But what do you think about the story that we get here? Then uh, we we basically the, the story is very simple. It's Spider Man has a crush on a girl. Spider Man mm-hmm. asks the girl out. Spider Man goes to pick the girl up. The girl's father is the bad guy that Spider Man has been fighting for the whole movie, <laughs> and Spider Man finds himself in a situation where he has to decide between social life. And doing what's right. And he chooses to do what's right and stop the bad guy. And you get a fight at the end. And you get consequences from that fight. I mean, there's lots more to it, obviously, than that. But yeah. at the bare minimum, I, f- I feel like that's what the, the movie revolves around. Is And, you know, I talked about this in, on the Strangers and Aliens episode we did about this. But my favorite Spider-Man stories are the Spider-Man stories that take place uh, using things from Peter Parker's personal life and they inform things in Peter Parker's superhero life. So you have green goblin is his best friend's dad. And then not only that, after his best friend's dad is dead, green goblin is his best friend. And you have, um, Dr. Octopus, which I was thinking about and realizing where Dr. Octopus almost married aunt may at one point in time. (sighs) And the Dr. Octopus stories take this kind of spin of he's like the ultimate in the bad or difficult stepdad situation where a lot of the stories end up being we don't like each other. We hate each other, but we both like and love Aunt May. And so we're going to put aside our differences because of this woman who is the common denominator for us. And and you see that happen in, in real life where people say, you know what, we're going to put aside our differences because of your mom or because of, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And it's it, those are the things I like. And so I was not expecting the turn. I was not expecting Peter Parker's girlfriend to be, you know, Michael Keaton's daughter. I wasn't expecting him to be at the house. When he rolls up to the house, I was like, okay, this is where this is where Vulture's gonna be. And okay, look, there he is. Okay, that's really interesting. Oh, he's his he's her dad. <laughs> okay. Cause I expected him to like have, you know, kidnapped them or done something like that, you know, tie them up and put them in the crane, and you know, Spider-Man has to say both. Mwah-uh-uh. But no, I, it made it more sinister and to be honest, more real life. Because that's the way it would work. <laughs> he wouldn't be. He wouldn't tie him up to the crane. No, and and it, oh, and it makes the whole story more complicated. 
mm-hmm. like you were saying. Yeah, all of uh, all of Peter Parker's choices then become this kind of you know Michael Keaton says, you know, I'm doing this for my daughter because I love her and if you try and stop me, then I am going to kill the people you love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's that ultimate dad, you know, the whole cliche of the, you know, um you want to date my daughter, you know, but I'm going to get my shotgun kind of thing. And right. it's that cliche of the overprotective dad. And, and here you have <laughs> the dad is literally a supervillain. He's not just the supervillain of your life at that point in time when you go to pick up this girl <laughs> and you're just totally freaked out because there is this other man in her life that's not you and who has a much, much higher investment in her life than you do. And you're you're there to try and convince him that it's okay for the daughter to go with you, and and it's there it is. I mean, I didn't have that situation really happen. Most of the most of the people I ended up dating, I either never met their father, or I was already friends with their father, or you know he was a family friend, that kind of thing. So I didn't have yeah. really bad situations like that happen, but but close, you know. And uh, and as well, dads, we we love our daughters and we want to protect our daughters and. What is more protective of your daughter than being a supervillain wearing a mechanical vulture suit? I, I'm working on mine right now, actually. You know, my my oldest is is starting to look at members of the opposite sex, so I'm starting to look at shotguns. You know, <laughs> it works out. Or at least look for the shirt that says, I'm an overprotective dad. I've got a shotgun, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably true. I got a Walmart here, so I'm sure I'll, I'm you, sure I'll find You don't it. have to get a license for the shirt. That's true. <laughs> so, One thing, I, I I want to talk so much about Michael Keaton as Vulture. Uh, oh, but when, before we begin, I just want to say, sp- skipped right to the end, and, since we've covered so much of that dynamic uh, with his daughter. I love this character as a villain. Because it's like we said before, it's a complicated story. And he made that threat to Spider-Man. And at the end of the story, what does he say? He he basically um, protects Peter slash Spider-Man at the end. And he sort of like let it go because I think he saw what a a true... um, that he is a true hero and he respects that at the end. And therefore I like him. So when I read that article that you're sort of referencing, Samantha, that you sent to the group, I didn't see that. What I saw was the quintessential villain of villainy thing that villains do, which is I'm going to, when I get out, I'm going to kill him. Like the thing the Joker does all the time, right? Oh, I know how to find Batman. I'm going to kill him. That's how I saw it. Now I didn't, necessarily i don't necessarily disagree with you i think he was looking at it in a different light i do see that he was trying to protect him but that's not how i initially read that scene that's how i read the scene though um i mean part of it comes from that that end scene where he's webbed up to all of the the tech stuff that's all Mm -hmm. all the tech stuff is all webbed up and then you pan across all that stuff and there he is sitting there and he just has a look on his face like what are you gonna do he caught me, you know, like, and, you know, he, he gave Peter Parker a pass because Spider-Man saved his daughter's life. You know, and on, his on life, elevator. to yeah. be honest. Well, and that's where I think at the end here, 
I think that Michael Keaton's character, that this vulture actually has almost turned over a new leaf because of the sacrifice from Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man went out of his way to protect Vulture. And I love that turn in the movie where it goes from being, I am fighting Vulture to try and stop him from doing this evil crime and turns into, I'm fighting Vulture because he is trying to kill me and I will die if I don't fight him to, I'm fighting Vulture to try and save him from himself. And because his greed or I guess maybe it's not even greed because he's, he's stealing his stuff for his family, you know, to, to have the money to, to be able to support the lifestyle that they have now. And that it, it blinds him. And so he is, he's not hearing the warning from Peter Parker that the suit's going to explode and he's not paying attention. And so as Peter Parker now finds himself in a situation where he is fighting the vulture to save the vulture. I love that turn. Now, there are things about that whole end sequence that I didn't necessarily understand. The editing was a little jumpy and some of the stuff with the plane yeah. and that, you know, and that's why I say it's not a perfect movie. But once you get to that crash landing and you get to that battle scene down there between Spider-Man and Vulture, I love what they do with that scene. And I love what they do with both characters. And to me, then I did read it with when when Scorpion or the guy who's going to become Scorpion um, says, I, I understand, you you know where he is. And he says, if I knew where he was, he'd be dead now. But he's not saying that because he really, truly wants to kill him. He's saying that because this kid did something good for me and I'm rethinking the way that I was thinking. And I, I think that this is one of those situations where one person doing good for another person turns into a, a change in perspective for the person that they helped. And, and that's, I mean, that's what I go for in life. I, I'm not the greatest person in the world, but I do hope that I do help people. And I do hope that when I help people, they turn around and, and, and they say, I'm going to help people too, you know, and it's, I'm not a superhero, but you know, cause that's not a real thing, but, but that's why I like superhero stories is because they inspire you and, and encourage you to do good things and to help people. And, and this is definitely what's happening here for me. I love the turn. I loved it. I think it was, yeah. I, I, I followed you up until the turn. I, I followed you even including the turn. I did see where he got to that. I just didn't think Vulture learned anything from it. Initially, you know, contemplating on it, rewatching, not rewatching it, but rethinking about it and, and reading the article that Samantha posted and all that sort of stuff. Um, I do, I do see that now. I just didn't see it then. Well, it's like um, other villains. They have been influenced by chemistry that they've created in a lab or a machine that they created in a lab. Like I kept comparing in my head Vulture to Doc Ock. And Doc Ock is highly influenced by the arms that he created because uh, in Spider-Man 2, the inhibitor chip broke and the arms took control of him. And at the end, he fought against that. Um, but I think if it was not for the, if the inhibitor chip did not break, he would not have become a supervillain. So, it, you know, with Doc Ock and Green Goblin, there were outside influences on why they became a villain. Adrian Toomes chose to become Vulture. 
And I don't think he was always a bad guy because, and he does have a good side to him because at the end he does choose or he does realize, Hey, Spider-Man saved my life and he was in the right. And I, I am going to make my own amends because I have a family and I want to get out and I want to see my daughter again. You're absolutely right. He wasn't a villain to begin with. I mean, and that's in the very first scene when he's cleaning up stuff from the Avengers movie. Um, and then damage control comes in and, and takes it over. And he's like, look, I got a family to feed and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he's he's trying to make his way in the world. He's a blue collar worker trying to make his way in the superhero world. Um and, you know, he says, if we're going to change, if the world's changing, we got to change with it. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But here's what you get with, with that, though, is you get a more understandable character and a more relatable character mm-hmm. because, you know, that is that's life right now. And, you know, if you're part of I mean, this gets into that whole one percent, ninety nine percent. And, you know, mm-hmm. almost anyone that's listening to this podcast right now has had situations where they just – this this doesn't work, whether it's something to do with medical bills or insurance or house payments, you know, where it's just this is this world is not set up to benefit people who don't have. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have the haves and the have nots and the one percent, and the ninety nine percent. So you have a, a understandable motivation for him. And you also have just this kind of hopelessness, like what else can I do? I will lose everything unless and this is where he turns to crime and his family doesn't even know he's turned to crime. You know, they just know he's, he's busy a lot and leaves a lot and, and that, and well, I, you know, and to be fair, Peter Parker's doing the same thing. He's just, <laughs> he's calling it a Stark internship, not. Yeah, you're right. Trips. right. Well, you know, Tony and, called it, Tony called it a Stark internship in well, civil war. And technically speaking, right. technically speaking, it is. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those I'm lying, but that's only because technically it's true. But what you think it means is not what it actually means. And so it's a lie by not even a lie by omission. It's a lie. I guess maybe it's a lie by omission where you don't know all the details, but the details you do know are true. But if you knew all the details, you wouldn't be happy with it. Yeah, and I was also getting to the fact that he's, you know, he hides it from May. He hides it from Ned until, you know, Ned catches him. Well, until but, May catches him. Yeah, until <laughs> May catches him at the end. But he hides it from everybody that he's close to because he doesn't want to hurt them. Um, and, and I guess that works. But it's classic superhero right, stuff. I mean, it's it, classic superhero yeah. stuff. But Vulture's doing the same thing. He's hiding it from his. He's just doing it on the other side of that coin. Yeah, and speaking of other sides of the coin, Vulture is the other side of the Iron Man coin. Uh, when you right. know the first movie scene where you see the Vulture flying, and he flies in, and he lands <laughs> on a platform, and the platform mm-hmm. takes uh, hold of his armor, and he steps out of his armor just like Iron Man. I mean, they are visually referencing Iron Man with Vulture. And I think part of Isn't- that comes into the idea that Iron Man is the father figure, for Peter Parker and Vulture Tombs is another kind. He's not really a father figure for, for Peter Parker, but he is, you know, obviously his daughter's father figure. 
then you also have the idea of you know they're using technology for their own gain. They're you know he is a flip side of ultra rich Tony Stark, and this if I'm not going to do this, I'm going to be ultra poor, uh, Mike, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because the uh, DC answered, or I don't know who came first. Was it Batman who came first before Iron Man in the yeah, comics? Yeah, because yeah, Iron Man is basically like the Marvel answer to Batman. Funny enough, who was Batman in the 1989 movie? Michael Keaton. <laughs> and so there are some references to that movie, which I just loved because that was one of my first comic superhero movies. And I think there's a shot where Vulture is silhouetted by the moon. Yes. And, oh, gosh, I love that, which you get in Batman. And um, there's a that scene where Peter is driving the car and, you know, he's 15, doesn't have a license, doesn't have much experience. So he makes a turn by shooting out some webbing and card slingshots into the turn and the batman bill does that too yeah yeah because it can't turn a corner very well because it's so huge (laughs) (laughs) um i love the moonshot that was so yeah and yeah i mean michael keaton he's he's going to be good i mean even when he's bad he's good you know he's yeah i mean worst his worst movie is still good because you're watching him do his thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember yes. watching gung ho on TV <laughs> when I was in high school and I'm like, why am I watching this? Movie? Why do I care? You know, but is that the one where he goes to Japan and, and takes over the car? No, that's car the one dude. where that's the one where the, the, J- the Japanese company takes over uh, his plant. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're on the right track there, but um, he has to then work with them and, you know, <laughs> and then Mr. Yeah, Mom, I mean, yeah, I mean, by the way, Gung Ho, the TV series that they did afterward, not great. But um, <laughs> I mean, even in high school, I knew, OK, this is this is garbage. But <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, so Michael Keaton, he he brings a presence to whatever he does. But he, it's it's interesting. I mean, he's he's Batman, which no one expected mm-hmm. him to do well with. And, and I think a lot of people would would agree that even if he's not the best Batman ever, he's definitely an iconic Batman. Um mm-hmm. And then he was Birdman. And did you guys see yeah. that movie? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, no. man. It's in my Netflix DVD queue. Okay. Well, hopefully they get okay, it to now, you soon. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, can, I can pop uh, what I have into the mail uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Batman and Birdman make a good double feature. Birdman is almost just saying, okay, we're, we're calling it Birdman, but we're, we're making a movie about the guy who played Batman. Okay. And, okay. and so we're using that actor and it's for a reason, but you know, for legal reasons, we can't call him Batman or, you know, but the, the movie itself is not necessarily about, well, it is, well, it's hard to explain, but it's a good movie. It, it's a good movie and he's great in it. So, okay. It's at the top of my queue now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what else about the story do you want to talk about here, though? I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of details that go a little bit beyond the story. But, I mean, the other thing that this is, is it's, it's not an origin story, but 
he's getting all this new these new gadgets and stuff and that's a big part of the story is just his his suit his suit <laughs> is gadgets and com- computer gizmos and artificial intelligence and you know thousands Voiced of by very- Jennifer Connelly yeah. Yep. yeah yeah who is married to um oh my goodness i can't remember his name but he the, um, um, vision. Oh, that he, and he's vision vision yeah yes yes thank you vision yeah but yeah it, his he definitely has that gadget scene and, and that's part of the fun in this and you know when he takes off the training wheel protocol and, and all of that stuff um it also helps uh, to define his character right when tony says if you're nothing without the suit then maybe you don't need it yeah, and that's the and that's one... funny coming from Tony Stark. Totally, yeah. totally. But that's also coming from the same scene where he says, "I don't want you. I, I want you to be better than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. I want you to be better than me." And so when he says, "If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit," he's saying that from experience. Well, but yeah, he's saying that from experience. Iron Man where, Three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I look at at that, and it, it it's valid. He's not a hypocrite completely. A little mm. bit, a little bit, but that's because he's Tony Stark, you know? Right. Uh, my, that scene where he says, if you're nothing without the suit, then you, you shouldn't have the suit is the one redemption for me of all these gadgets, though. I don't like the idea that they, I mean, this whole movie, he is not street level friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He is leveled up Iron Man's protege Spider-Man. And, you know, there's some stories like that with around Civil War where he became Iron Spider. And for some reason, he had three extra mechanical arms, not four. Oh, I don't know why he didn't have four. Um, but he, he had this metallic suit that, that allowed him to still be able to do, um, you know, the, the quick uh, gymnastic type moves that Spider-Man does. Uh, it's not a clunky armor, but it, it was armor. And. I, I'm okay with that for, you know, in, in a storyline when it's going to go away and you're going to get the classic suit back. But for me, all the gadgets and stuff just took away from that street levelness for him and, and made him, you know, one of the, if we're going to use the terms, one of the 1% of superheroes, <laughs> you know, who's not just out there doing his thing with his powers, but he's out there doing this thing. He's got powers plus the suit. And, but then to have Iron Man turn around and say, look, if, if, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit. And then to have that be a pivotal thing for him later on in the movie where he, he takes that advice, he puts on the old suit, and he, and he saves the day yeah. with just his ingenuity and just his ability. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, which and, is, and then, yeah, and that takes him back to the kind of, the kind of character that I like when I think mm-hmm. about Spider-Man. Yeah. So <laughs> when he's running across the neighborhood because there's nothing to wear, you know, right. I love this moment because he's running and he's like jumping over fences and stuff. And in my mind, I'm thinking this is funny because it's just like Ferris Bueller. Oh, my goodness. It it's on, it on TV. <laughs> I did the same thing. It was almost literally <laughs> just like that. I mean, it just as soon as it crossed my mind what they were referencing. 
and wondering, are they referencing? Yep, they're referencing because <laughs> they're not only referencing, they're making sure you know, yes, we know exactly what you're thinking. It's okay. We're doing this on purpose. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was laugh. Yeah, some people would say that's cheesy, but they were already setting up a gag of him running through all these yards because he cannot shoot the web so well at the mm-hmm. tree like he does at the buildings in the city. I'm okay with that gag. Um, I, with, I know that there would be some people out there that would say, oh, no, that's a little too on the nose. No, I'm okay with it. Which I didn't I didn't ever think about Spider-Man having to be in the city in order to make his his talent work, I guess, as a, as a writer, as a creator, right? I didn't ever think about that being integral to his character until he's having to run through the the country and it's really until that one big shot where he literally runs like across the screen and he's like in the golf you know, course yeah and the and sprinklers like, are going <laughs> um that was that was very good it was but, very good but that just also reinforces the type of movie this is you know it, it's a comedy mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of funny stuff in it um it's a different kind of comedy than guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. and it's a different kind of comedy than the iron man movies give uh it's it's Spider-Man comedy. And, and I've seen stories, not necessarily where he's like running across fields and stuff, but a lot of times they'll put him in situations where, uh, like I just read a comic recently it, where he was in a, a helicopter and his web got cut. And so he's falling from the helicopter and he's going to die because there's nothing to web. He's just going to land on the ground, uh, in a forest or something like that. And, and the way they get him out of it is he, he shoots his webs and makes a glider out of his webs. And it's really dumb, but but they put him in that situation and, and that's that's what I mean that's good storytelling is to put characters mm-hmm. in situations where they're out of their element or where their strength becomes a weakness and and that's what happened here for him but on the other hand uh going back to the running across the the, the yards and stuff like that the other thing that this says what kind of movie this is it once they reference blatantly um Ferris Bueller I mean it's a teen movie and I was talking to some friends about this and just thinking, you know, I like the movie now as an adult uh, because in some ways it's taking me back to when I was a teen. But I, if I had seen this movie when I was 16 or 17, I would have liked it in a much, much different way. Uh, watching it today as a 42-year-old, I'm taken back to when I was a kid. But if I had watched this as a kid, this would have been one of my favorite movies ever, I think. Yeah. I would be interested to see, obviously, you as a teenager is different from media-savvy teenagers now. Yes. And so I'm interested to see what a media-savvy teenager um, thinks of this movie, which is where you should call in your reviews, media-savvy teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Media-savvy Samantha, I mean, what do you think? (laughs) Because <laughs> um, were you into yeah. those kind of teen movies like Breakfast Club and, and oh, I, mean, I love the, I love Breakfast Club. I love Pretty in Pink. Yeah, I, I love all those movies. I mean, Breakfast uh, and, Club and I grew is up absolutely Breakfast Club is also being referenced here in this movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and the uh, and the oh, the uh, the team that he's on, 
yeah, I can see the dip, not specifically Breakfast Club, but I could see the different dynamics and different types of characters from the John Hughes movies brought into those characters. Um, uh, Michelle was directly Ally Sheedy from yeah. <laughs> Breakfast Club. I mean, she was in detention just so she could have subjects to draw for art. I mean, <laughs> she Which, chose to be there for fun. That was actually a, a nice little character beat, though, for her. Uh, she had some good character moments. Here's the question, Samantha. Yes. What do you think about her saying, my friends call me MJ? No, <laughs> I, I hated it um, because as a girl's nickname, MJ is the only place I've ever heard it before is for Mary Jane. And this is Michelle. This is a completely different character. And it just, no, uh-uh. Is it a completely different character? <sighs> and if it is a completely different character, are we going to end up with two MJs? And well, Ma- Mary Jane was a party girl. I mean, she was a party girl, um, very sociable. And Michelle, no, she's a loner. She's a lone wolf. No. Just, when she said that, it was just no. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. We're going to end the that movie was- on that note. Come on. That, yeah, that was my one. That actually, I did have two moments where I absolutely like, groaned with annoyance, and that was one of them. <laughs> and we'll the address the other one. Um, when Ned was caught on the computers oh. and he yeah. said, uh, I'm looking up porn. You know what? Really, what they really missed on something. He didn't have to say that. What he could have said was, I am playing video games, which would have accounted for the fact that he was wearing a headset. Yeah. It's true. So, so. <laughs> here's here's. I mean, I, I I talked about this on on the Strangers and Aliens podcast, which that's where we're going to get more into like talking about those kind of things. But I'll, I'll throw this out there: the scene wouldn't have played as bad for me if they had just extended the scene and allowed the teacher to actually respond to that, because that yes. is that is a zero tolerance thing. If you're on school computers and you are doing that kind of thing on a, on a school computer, I mean, you're, you're looking at getting suspended. Uh, yes. Now, now maybe maybe they're not today, but ten years ago, was it ten years ago? No, seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, when I was teaching in high school, that was uh, that was a potentially suspension suspension uh, offense, and just to have her say, you know, just you know. But there was no reaction at all from the teacher. And I, I think that that was, was part of my problem was that they cut that joke just right after he said that. And everyone in the theater thought it was hilarious. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details with, with Strangers and Aliens. You can check it out there if you want to. But I was sitting next to a yeah. nine-year-old boy who had no idea what they, what they were talking about and just started asking his mom, what, 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 what do you say? What does it mean? What does it mean? And I'm just, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's a nine-year-old boy but, who's interested in finding out what that means. Well, it just would have been, been more sense if he said he, they didn't wouldn't didn't have to say World of Warcraft because there are plenty of MMORPGs out there. But if he had said something like that, it would have accounted for the coding and on the screen instead of pornography. It would have accounted for the fact that he's wearing a headset and he's obviously talking to somebody. I mean, yeah, he didn't yeah. have to say that. Yeah. So, well, on the other hand, now. By no means am I defending that type of looking, viewing, viewing entertainment on the internet. 
I could have just said the word, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep going, keep going. And I don't want to spend too much time kinda, here, but yeah, go ahead. He was caught off guard and it was played for laughs. And that's the type of thing that would have been played in The Breakfast Club or in uh, Ferris Bueller. Yes. Yeah. And not, not only that, a lot of the language and stuff that comes in this movie is it's, I mean, it's fantasy. It's not realism. It's not realistic, but it's meant to make it feel authentic. And so the, you know, uh, Flash Thompson's nickname for Peter Parker, Penis Parker. Yeah. I mean, that, that felt, I don't know if authentic is quite the right word or genuine, but it's the kind of thing that kids say. And so a lot of the language and a lot of the, um, different, you know, flipping the bird and things like that that they're doing, while it's not stuff that I necessarily condone, it is definitely, Stuff that makes it feel like a more genuine movie, like you would find, like we keep going back to Breakfast Club. You know, Breakfast mm-hmm. Club is a high school fantasy. It mm-hmm. did, it did not look that way exactly when we were in high school in the eighties, <laughs> and it did not you know turn out that way in high school in the eighties. It was a high school fantasy meant to cause you to think about the the social boundaries that we have, and it worked well. I wouldn't say The Breakfast Club is a fantasy because, you know, I do not ever fantasize about going to a detention. I would say Ferris Bueller's a fantasy. Well, well, Ferris Bueller is a positive fantasy. Yeah. Breakfast Club is, when I say fantasy, it's not that people fantasize about it. It's that it is a fantastic uh, or a fantastical representation of high school. Well, I thought that the, the reason why it was so groundbreaking was because it was the first movie that really looked at, at teenagers as human beings and not some sort of caricature. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it, it still was not a perfect representation. It was, sure. it, it took the cliches and tried to shake mm-hmm. them a little bit and tried to get you to look past the cliches, but it still used the cliches to get you there. So, yeah, but this is not yeah. about the breakfast club. We can do a breakfast club no. podcast another time. And maybe that'll mean we have to rewatch it, which is not a bad thing. We're, we're, this is Spider-Man Homecoming, though. So. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So let, let's move on then. We, we've, we've talked a little bit about the plot and some of the style here. Um, let's talk about more. Marissa Tomei? Yeah, let's talk about some characters and actors here. So let's okay. start there with, with Aunt May. Go ahead. What do you think, Samantha? I love the fact that they cast someone who is act- realistically – his aunt as opposed to his grandmother. <laughs> I love that. And I love Marissa Tomei because, you know, going back to the John Hughes films and the Brat Pack, who uh, Robert Downey Jr. was a part of that. Um, she was a part of that group, too. And they've known each other for years. And. Yeah, and. Uh, I it, It's just feasible for me to see her as a current teenager's aunt. Mm hmm. And I also like that they, you know, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous woman, but they also mm-hmm. played her and, and patterned, her, costumed her a little bit funky. <laughs> I remember her, the glasses she was wearing and like the high, high waisted jeans. Oh I'm like, man, high, high waisted <laughs> yeah. jeans. Now, like, it, and it wouldn't have been as so, and, it wouldn't have been so noticeable except for they had some shots where she's yeah. comforting Peter and it's just like, we are going to focus our camera on Peter's face and her high, high waisted pants. So. Right. <laughs> Talk I mean, about the eighties, right? <laughs> oh, seriously, right. seriously. Yeah. And I, I'm sure they didn't <laughs> want to make her, you know, uh sexy aunt may, you know, but 
I feel like they could have made her a little less frumpy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, and this is I mean, going back to some of these articles and stuff that have come out. I, I don't know if I believe this or not. But according to one interview I saw with her, she didn't realize how old Aunt May actually was when she took the part. Like she wanted the part. She loved the part. They're talking about how she's an iconic character. And, and then she finds out, wait, Aunt May is that? <laughs> and they hired well, me? <laughs> so. And that's and that's part of the MCUing of it, right? They can make Aunt May. All it has to be is an aunt, not a you know great aunt. <laughs> Your mom is not. 75 when she gave birth to you <laughs> that sort of thing <laughs> well yeah. anyway she did a good job it just mm-hmm. it, it it still took me a little while i mean we've we've already seen her in civil war but it's right. still, it, it still took me a little while to just get used to this is not old lady aunt may no this no. is this is young woman aunt may and, and not virtuous Aunt May either. Like Aunt May from the Tobey Maguire movies was prim and proper and virtuous and, and could do no wrong and those sorts of things. This lady um, dropped the F-bomb, although we didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. although I don't know if that is a part of her regular rotation of language. <laughs> I mean, this, this is a situation where she's confronted with something that – yeah, it, but – She's also a little bit clueless. I mean, she doesn't realize yeah. that that men find her attractive. She doesn't understand that that men find her attractive. But uh, the the problem with with her is that her whole character was defined by I'm your aunt, and men find me attractive. Like that's right. that's the de- definition of her character in this movie. Um, we don't know really much of anything else about her. Uh, you know, where is she going when she's coming home? Where did, where was she? You know, we, we don't know. And, but that's the same with almost every character in here. They're, they're there as part of Peter's story, which, you know, depending on how you're going to tell the story, that's, that's one way to go. And, and that's, and to be want. fair, that's, that's a lot of what supporting characters in MCU movies are. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, the, look the at, word um, is supporting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause, uh, look at, um, Oh gosh, hold on. Ant Man. I mean the 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 characters in Ant Man serve to support Paul Rudd's you know character. They don't. I don't really need to know any more about them. Right. We well, could. well, I'm thinking. I was thinking of Pepper Potts. Right. Which yeah. Welcome back, Pepper Potts. Yes. To the MCU. <laughs> yeah. So where have you been? Did Nowhere. they or didn't they? Matter. Is the question. Did they get engaged? Um. Clearly, they're back together. Right. <laughs> and she's I not bad not. at it. I hope not, because, yeah, I hope we see more of that story later. But really, because Pepper Potts, what is she? I mean, I don't think we really got a real change in her character until Iron Man 3. Well, and where is her character going to? I, I think that we're missing a great scene. If he proposes to her, I I honestly think he is going to propose to her and she would say no. The problem is yes. if she says yes, then that's honestly we, – we don't need to see that scene. But if she's going to say no, we need to see that scene. Like that's a scene we want to see. I think right. she pretty much said no in that scene. <laughs> she did and he's – he had to th- – I mean he's thinking on his feet. He has to do something but – Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Happy Hogan, pull out the ring. 
Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a, there's another um, a John Favreau reference in there that you guys. I I made a connection that you guys didn't realize on Stranger Na- Strangers and Aliens, and um, I don't know. You want me to tell you now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you guys were talking about don't wear the shirt to the thing. Which is something we don't do. Yeah. Which I is, do it, but I, I make it look cool. Well, it just, it, it just means if I'm going to a Spider-Man movie, I'm not wearing a Spider-Man shirt. Okay. You know? and, and if I go to a Star Wars movie, I'm not wearing a Star Wars shirt unless my son asks me. And then I'm not wearing the shirt to the thing. Then I'm wearing the shirt with my son as part of a team. So, well, anyway. The first continue. time... The first time I ever heard that kind of phrase was uh, don't wear the shirt to the show, uh, which came from the movie PCU. Mm-hmm. And it was said to John Favreau's character, <laughs> who every time I see him on screen, I think of uh, Gutman from PCU. I have not seen right. PCU. What is this movie? It's um, it's. Not the greatest comedy ever, but okay. it does have some. It does make a lot of social commentary that is still relevant today about how divided we are as a country, mm-hmm. and all we need to do is just let all that all of our issues go and just go have a party. Right. Um, it's it. I mean, you saw Animal House, right, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of long. Okay. Decade. It's it's not as good as Animal House. Okay. Yeah. But it's still funny. It's it's a nineties. 90s comedy with Jeremy Piven and John Favreau, who I will still remember this to this day. I saw it on Comedy Central a whole bunch, and they described him as fat Robert Downey Jr. Because he was funny. Was, yeah. So, anyway, PCU. Eh, maybe mm. watch it. <laughs> yeah, my introduction to John Favreau was Swingers. Yep. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I saw that movie when I was at film school, and it's all—it's mm. a very Los Angeles movie, and it's very interesting mm-hmm. to watch. And I was in Los Angeles, and it's like, oh wow, this is—I haven't been to any of these places, but I've been to places that are very much like these places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, okay. Hey. Happy Hogan's back! Yay! Yes. So I'm and... glad to see Happy Hogan back. And again, talk about characters that are reduced to their functions. Um, (laughs) So it's not just, I mean, I know this is that kind of thing is often pointed at women, but it does happen to male characters as well. Yeah. Well, and I, with, with Aunt May, it's the type of stuff that she's reduced to is those specific things with the, every other character. It's, it's, it is the same thing. Even Robert Downey Jr. He is there to support Peter Parker. And that's nice. He doesn't mm-hmm. steal the show away from Peter Parker very much, which is nice. And, and then even, I mean, even um, Michael Keaton, he is there to prop up the Peter Parker story. That's not a bad thing. I mean, the movie's called Spider-Man. It's also called homecoming, which you want to talk about on the nose. Let's talk about yeah. on the nose. <laughs> So there's a homecoming dance. It's not the fish under the sea dance. If they didn't have a homecoming dance, we might be talking about the issues we have. Like, why was there no homecoming dance? They're going to call it this. I I was worried that there wasn't going to be homecoming dance. I was like, what the, why is this movie called homecoming? (laughs) I was in the same, same, I was having the same issues 
Um, and then I, they talked about the homecoming dance in the movie, and I was like, oh, okay. And that makes sense with the whole John Hughes theme. and Yeah. Because there's yeah. always a dance, and yeah, pretty in pink, and Ducky at the end looking so cute in his little awkwardness. And All right. <laughs> Samantha needs to do a pretty in the pink and um, breakfast club podcast. That okay. is one of my, my wife's <laughs> – it's not one of my wife's favorite movies now, but it certainly was one of her favorite movies in – Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how long ago, but yeah, yeah. So, can we talk about the high school? We can. Let's do it. Talk okay. about the high I, school, my friend. I really liked how they included. I mean, if you we saw some of these screenshots early, early on in the before the movie was released. How there's like you saw Howard Stark and you saw um, uh, Doctor Banner and you saw some other people like Einstein, whatever, painted on murals, and the fact that he went to a uh, he had to go across town to get to this um, technical high school, which I thought was really cool. My favorite part, though, the PE <laughs> videos that he had to watch, the Captain America PE videos. Oh, oh I'm pretty man. sure this guy is a, uh, a mass murderer, but you know, the state says we're going to do these. Uh, so a, war criminal. a war, yeah, war criminal. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he's a war criminal or whatever, but we, we have to show. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> and I... Th- I, I loved it because it's funny, right? But it also expands the universe. You know, it, it, it's Captain America is more iconic than Justice Shield and a sword. He's doing like the presidential medal of honor or you know fitness things, uh-huh. right? That we have. So it's a really interesting uh, expansion of the universe in a way that I wasn't expecting, and I really liked it. I had so many flashbacks to. Orange Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in those videos he had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even grew up in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Now, what did you think of the post credit scene then? Oh gosh. Where it's him talking about the virtues of patience and I seriously fantastic. just wanted to like I was like, okay. You're you're getting on my nerves now. Go away. <laughs> no, no. I've never once before found Captain America to be annoying, and this was the first time. Oh, that's too bad. I'm yeah. so sorry. But yeah. I'm so sorry. that was to me that was one of the highlights. I mean, everybody. So in my theater, everybody stayed through the first one. Right. And I guess we haven't trained enough Marvel people enough yet to stay through the all the way to the very end. But. Very few did, and I was one of them, of course, and my patience was rewarded. My patience was rewarded with a joke that I want other people to have to experience, but I never want to experience again myself. <laughs> <laughs> like I will if I if I take my son to see the movie, I will definitely be waiting so that he can see it. But I'm just gonna be sitting there thinking, ah, we have to wait through the whole movie. By the way, the most merciful thing about um, uh, Transformers: The Last Night, the credits were like four minutes long. It's just really? they started, the pop song started, and suddenly it's done. And I looked over at Evan; I was seeing the movie with him. I was like, what did we miss? Did we miss something here? I I don't think anyone got credited for their work on that movie. <laughs> Um, maybe they just didn't want to or maybe they all just you know it's just like well let's just put up one alan smithy and then we'll be good with it (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I was, was going to say the entire thing, including played Mark Wahlberg when he found a Transformer. Oh gosh, when he said that, it reminded me of uh, what I learned recently about the credits on Manos: The Hands of Fate. Talk about bad movies. Um, I've only ever seen that through uh, Mystery Science Theater, right? By the way. Well, I read an article recently because they had an anniversary with that movie. I think it was like the fiftieth anniversary, um, and the director. Um, he played like seven or eight hats in that, in that movie. And he made up names for himself in these <laughs> other roles because he didn't want to, he wanted to extend out the credits. Um, what That's he did tough. around that movie was really, it, it's, y- you've got to go and, and read it yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, he tried well, to make that movie better than it was and it was not. <laughs> no, no, it was not at all. All right, so Marissa Tomei we've talked about, uh, Michael Keaton we've talked about, uh, Tom Holland we've talked about, Robin <laughs> Jr. we've talked about. The uh, principal. Any, uh, the principal? The principal. What about Principal him? Morita. Uh, did you not know that that's like an Easter egg to Captain America? No. Because mm. this actor who played Principal Morita also played Jim Morita in Captain America as... Um, Oh gosh, what what is the team called? That the Howling Commandos. Yes, he was in Howling Commando. No way, I missed that yeah. completely. And, oh yeah, and there was a picture of, I guess Grandpa Marita, on the I saw the picture in the office. That I did see. Yeah, but it was the same actor. Huh. So I guess he's playing his own grandson. Yeah, that's I'm, cool. I'm, that's I'm okay. really cool. Yeah. Uh, that's actually considered to be a cliche to cast an actor as their own grandson or granddaughter. Um, but Meh. in this instance, I'm totally cool with it because it's one scene, one or two scenes with him. No, and, and it's intentional. I mean, this is yes. this is them creating continuity and and not just, oh, OK, uh, yeah. I mean, this is not them just saying, OK, we're in the sequel and it's 60 years later and that was a popular character. So we'll cast uh, <laughs> you, right. know, you know when they did this though that's kind of a little creepy is Wonder Woman the TV show they had mm-hmm. the guy who was Steve Trevor and he was popular and there's this romantic little you know back and forth but it's taking place in World War 2 and for season 2 they said we're going to not do World War 2 anymore we're going to do something a little bit cheaper like the modern day and so what did they do they took the guy who played oh, Steve no. Trevor and he played his son and they didn't have the romantic back and forth, but it was his son. Huh. Awkward. Kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I can see why they would do that, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this because this was a small role. It was, yeah, it's, and I didn't catch it at first, to be honest, but I went back and I read some things about the movie and that's when I read about it. And I was like, Oh, that was the same guy. There's okay, lots I don't feel little... as bad then you didn't catch it. So I don't, I don't yeah. feel as bad now. Okay. Yeah. There's lots of little things like that. Like the, the scene where Spider-Man is on the thing and, and some guys yell up to him and, and one guy has this big like boom box. To, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, but I only do. because of an article. Right. I, that's, that's where I found it too. Apparently, that's the same guy from Star Trek. I know I'm talking about Star Trek. 
It's okay. From Star Trek number four, Voyage Home, where um, Spock nerve pin or Vulcan neck pinches the guy with the boombox and shuts the thing off in the radio and the bus and, and all that. Um, and he says some choice words that aren't allowed on the Noodle Mix Network. Uh, same guy, apparently. Who and, and in a tweet, he's like, "I spiritually, it's the same. It's the same character." There's lots of little people like that. Yeah, I I wasn't paying attention to the guy who had the boombox. I was paying attention to the guy who's like, hey, hey, do a flip. You're Spider-Man, right? Do a flip. And Spider-Man totally just does it for him. And right. it's <laughs> funny. Like It's really, really funny. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice moment. Fun moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that article, too. And yeah, he said it spiritually. Yes, it was the same guy. I don't think it's the same guy. Maybe it's like an alternate universe version of him. Maybe he... Th- fell through a hole in the space-time continuum, ended up in a different universe. Take it as you wish, but I I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, this is not... Um, <laughs> we are not looking at a an MCU... Wait a minute. Stuart, could this be our reason to have a Star yes. Trek podcast? Yes, yes. <laughs> is that fair. now all of Star Trek is part of the MCU because of this guy? <laughs> and now we have to go back and review all the movies and TV shows. Yes. And no, yes. we, we better yes. not do that. We are not. Going Daniel's going to do, gonna that. do it. Daniel's going to be there too. We are not all doing that. Well, if we do that, then we'll also have to review the Sherlock stuff because um, Sherlock is an ancestor of Spock. And then we'd also have to do all the Doctor Who stuff because there is a crossover comic between Doctor Who with the 11th Doctor and the next generation cast. So yeah, we got to cover all of that too. Yeah. Podcast Let's just stick with the MCU as it exists right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to uh, homecoming, um, let's talk about the MCU in, in general. Okay. Um, where are we going from here? I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, Spider-Man kind of becoming maybe more of a face for the MCU, which again is interesting because that means Disney is putting a lot of eggs in a Sony basket, but they're also doing it with one of their most recognizable characters. So. Uh, well, my question is this, are we going to see Spider-Man take on Kingpin? And Vincent D'Onofrio has gone on record and said that he, yes, he would love to appear in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, they've all gone on record saying they want to appear in the movies. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, because it's like, hey. But it would make sense for him. Yes, it would. But hey, actor person who this is how you make your entire living. Would you like to be in a huge movie where you get paid a lot of money? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be great. I mean, that'd be really cool. I it, think the material's right. <laughs> well, the news would be when the person says, are you crazy? No, I hate movies like that. <laughs> um. What I found interesting was damage control because wasn't there a damage control TV show rumored? There was. And it had gone pretty far, right? Mm, I don't know if it went to, I don't even know if they did a a pilot script for it. Okay. Uh, It would have been interesting to see that come out of this. Um, And I think obviously 
the two were would have could have been connected that in that way. Um, it would have been interesting to see that because I think that's kind of what Shield was gearing up to be at the very beginning, but then changed into something else. Well, I mean, that's what they were doing. I mean, after Thor: The Dark World, mm-hmm. they, they were, were doing up. all the cleanup. Right. Right. And. and, and, and yeah, and and this is taking place before Thor: The Dark World, where you have damage control coming and doing this. So mm-hmm. that was a kind of an interesting, mm. interesting frustration for me. Is oh wait wait this is what Shield is supposed to be doing? Right. I would I would I, I don't want to see Shield necessarily get back to that, but I think there's a space there's a space in the MCU for stories like that to be told. Um, whether it's in comic, whether it's on a TV show, I don't know. But there's a space for it, and I think it's a space that's missing. Because yeah, well, it's not completely missing now because they have told some of the story right. here. And and they had I mean the the interruption, I mean that whole situation at the beginning of the movie where they're doing their job, he's bought trucks, he's got this, he's got that going on, and then just gone, gone. because mm-hmm. damage control is coming in and they are sanctioned to take this stuff. And yeah, it's, I like what they use there. It's just, that should have been shield coming in instead of damage control because shield was the one coming in and collecting all this stuff. And shield was the one coming in and cleaning up all this stuff. You know what, what would have made more sense if it was shield. And then I don't know, somewhere later, not in this movie, in that scene, but maybe somewhere later down the road, um, you would see shield functioning under the guise of damage control. Hmm. Like after they, um, after uh, Hydra took over and that was all exposed and shield had to go back underground. Then they pretend to be damage control. That would have made so much more sense, but here it's Um, the NSA and the CIA working on the same thing. Basically. And that flashback, I mean, that flashback could have been Coulson. Yes. Yeah, it totally could have been. Now, Coulson would have had a little. No, it couldn't have been. He was dead. No, <laughs> he was dead. He couldn't have been. Oh, man. Oh, well. uh... oh, that's right. Because it was. Oh, I I'm <laughs> pot listeners. I apologize on behalf of myself. No one else. I apologize for missing that. <laughs> that was my fault. It. Well, it could not have well, been. It, made no, it shoot. totally could have been Coulson because he was—he had been brought back in by then. No, he was mm-hmm. still in Tahiti. Oh, was he? Yes. I mean, it took a while for them to bring him back, and he was in the shadows after they did bring him back. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. They would have gotten in some administrative person like, uh, oh, what's her name? It could have Tyne been- Daly. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been Maria Hill. It could have been been Maria Hill. It could have been um, Grant Ward. I mean, he could have been in that in that shot in the background, too. But now we're dreaming. Right. (laughs) And and this is where I mean, they they use damage control in some ways, I think, because then later on they could bring damage control back and shield was not in in place. Mm -hmm. So. Oh well. Oh well. It's not the end of the world. 
So, but it is close to the end of the podcast. <laughs> so it is. We've already given our, our ratings for this. We've already uh, expressed uh, how we f- feel about this. Uh, is there anything we're missing that you want us to touch on before we, we close down this podcast? I will probably think of it about 10 minutes after we close down the podcast. <laughs> which, which does. Um, yes. I, Let me think what else. I really liked how they showed his sort of micro world, right? He, he knows all the buildings in his area when the sandwich shop gets blown up by the not Avengers. It really <laughs> does affect him. Um, it reminds me of Luke Cage. It reminds me of um, a little bit of Daredevil and those street level characters, um, way more so than than uh, um, than a Iron Man or a Captain America or even an Ant Man. Although Ant Man was, I guess, closest, um, but it was still reminded me of that. Especially when the shop got blown up. I was like, oh, I've seen this. It's, it was called Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. <laughs> I, I will say it again. I want to see Vincent D'Onofrio in a future Spider-Man mm. movie. I'd love to see that. Um, they'd have to, you know, make him. Um, they'd have to change his tone probably. Uh, slightly. A little bit. And I, they'd also have to make the movie about him versus Spider-Man. Yeah. It would. I don't want him. Well, I mean, maybe they, they I don't want him to probably, just be like the opening scene and then he's right. and they're done. I, I, it would have to be a thing like the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Or maybe they could bring in daredevil. That would be fun. Would those two mix? I mean, the daredevil we have is very gritty. The Spider-Man we have is very not. Well, maybe like um, as Spider-Man gets older and he's trying to figure out himself as an adult. Possibly, yeah. I I think. I mean, having, I mean, this is the guy we're talking about who was jumping on the bed saying, "I'm just tired of him treating me like a kid." But yeah. I think that that actually would be a decent duo to have this young idealistic kid. Uh, teaming up with this older, jaded, but still oh. has still has his his moral code adult. Yeah, it would be sort of like a uh, Luke Skywalker Han Solo sort of feel. Maybe, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, Daredevil and Iron Man would be are two very different mentors. Um, right. Mm. Although, in some ways, it's I true. think I think maybe in some ways Daredevil will be the better mentor. Than- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in some ways, I could see where actually Daredevil and Spider Man would get along very well. Yeah, because so. they both they would not get angry at each other in the same way like Daredevil and Punisher did. You know, I mean, they would have different perspectives on why they do what they do and how they do it, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be nearly the kind of conflict that we get in other situations. Yeah, it would be. It, yeah, you're right. It would be more of the uh, young whippersnapper versus the um, older, you know, more life experienced adult. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's hope that they're all in Infinity War. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so. Yes. 
I think yes. it's time for us to say goodbye. I I oh, I found one more thing. Okay. Because I want to get this in for Evan. Okay. Donald Glover. Oh, yes. Made an appearance, and he's the voice of Miles Morales, because I know that Evan loves Miles. Yeah. So. And he also plays Miles' uncle. Yeah. That's who he is in this movie. He's Miles Morales' oh, uncle. okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's do it. So I, yeah. here's, here's the thing I want to say as, as we say goodbye and as we say, you know, we do want to hear from you what you thought about the movie and, um, you know, what did we miss and what did we completely get wrong? Um, we all liked it. Mm-hmm. We, we all liked it. We all- and so I, I just here's my I guess my big question to everyone is, is does this surprise you? Does it surprise <laughs> you that we all like it? And uh, maybe another word, another way to put it. Um, cause I'm, I was hoping that you would be surprised. I, I was hoping that I would surprise you with, with what we thought about the movie. And I'm afraid we didn't because, you know, I, I was hoping you'd be, you'd be shocked because, you know, I'm the shocker. I shock people. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, here to talk to you about one of the most valuable traits a student or soldier can have, patience. Sometimes patience is the key to victory. Sometimes it leads to very little, and it seems like it's not worth it, and you wonder why you waited so long for something so disappointing. And and come on, guys, I mean, you you knew we were going to do this, right? I mean, you knew we were at least going to do something with this as our post-credit. Well, if, if you didn't, we did it. So, just gonna leave it at that. <laughs>